welcome to Art of Practice. I'm Lisa Frost, and uh, with me is Kevin Snorf. And uh, this is our inaugural uh, podcast. Uh, we're going to be diving into um, some topics around practice uh, and, in a, and coming at it from a variety of ways, I would say. Um, but today, we're going to kind of do a little intro into how we both hold practice and a few other things. So welcome. And if you are joining us for the replay, welcome. Um, we're excited to be bringing this to you. Uh, yeah, Kevin, what do you want to say? Yeah, um, thanks for thanks for having me on this. Thanks for suggesting this. Thanks for taking the lead on this. Um, Lisa and I go way back uh, to we 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 uh, went through the Integral Coaching Canada program together and became certified coaches together way way back and. Uh, about two years ago, reconnected um, and started talking about not only like how we hold practice, but, you know, what our edges are, how can we be of mutual support to each other and other people. And um, it, certainly a big part of the integral endeavor is trying to think about how we relate to ourselves and how we relate to others in more skillful ways. Um, and so we've just been kind of having a nice ongoing dialogue about that, where we're discovering new topics, discovering new practices, discovering ways of relating to each other differently. And um, in that in that ongoing conversation that's just evolved, Lisa's like, I feel like there's just a lot of value in uh, like us, like, but it's just us talking, like, maybe we should open that up to others. <laughs> and do you want to do this art of practice thing with me since we're both deep in practice? And I was like why not? <laughs> I'm, an, I'm an Enneagram nine. I'm like, sure, let's do that. <laughs> so, um, so that kicked off and, and it's actually kind of exciting for me because it's, it's something that's near and dear to who I am and what I think the world needs. And so, um, there's a lot of crossover there. So yeah, it's, um, we'll see where this goes. Like we really are holding an attitude here of, um, trying to just have a nice conversation between us that we hope other people value, but we want it to really be iterative and see what happens. So um, we're hoping you'll enjoy the ride with us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and uh, and just to let you know, Kevin, um, we just uh, are streaming now to YouTube. So yeah. if, um, if you're just signing in and, and watching us on YouTube, hello, um, my name is Lisa Frost and this is Kevin Snorf and we are your hosts today uh, for the Art of Practice. So um, yeah, so Kevin, Kevin, we've been we've been doing this for about two years, um, and uh, and and I do think that there's a variety of things that we actually end up in conversation about that probably would be valuable um, to others. Um, but what I'd love to just start with is to kind of ground us in, um, I guess, in how we each hold practice like what I mean let's start let's start at the beginning of the story right what yeah. what do we mean by practice um and 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 what does it personally mean to each of us and I, I'd love for you to take a stab at that one yeah it's interesting too because it's like um for those who don't know who who we are or know us um it I I would have a hard time introducing myself to someone who doesn't know my background without talking about practice <laughs> it's, it's kind of a it's kind of a funny thing for me to I, I often will lead when I when people ask me well, just, what what about you what do you do you know it's like it's not it's not so much what I do professionally it's like how I try to cultivate myself it's how I think of myself and that often has to do with the kind of practices I'm involved in so but um yeah it's it, so so i think most people are walking through the world in a very reactive place and they're just sort of going through the motions that life asks of them this calamity happens over here this seemingly random success story happens over on this side of things and they're just kind of like surprised and you know, like it, it's not conscious, it's very reactive. And so like the idea of living a conscious life, to live a life life that's awake, that has a sense of 
clarity or vision behind it or like what do you want to become immediately like we we all are then it's like well how do we do that and you can't do that without practice and so if any of us have any sense in ourselves of like i want to have a life that i enjoy that's deliberate that's purposeful that's you know um enjoyable <laughs> I don't see how you like get there without some kind of practice. And I'm, I'm holding this idea of practice very loosely. A lot of people think of practice as like working out or doing meditation or something like that. And I think that those are totally helpful, but I'm holding practice in a much, much larger container of like, how do we live our lives consciously and deliberately so that we're moving in the direction we want to be going versus, uh, <laughs> following little this little tangent or that little tangent reactively yeah yeah I, I love that you actually pointed to um it being something deliberate because i think that you know the way that i think of it is we're always practicing something <laughs> right yeah. either yeah. we're doing it consciously or we're doing it unconsciously and either we are either we are practicing how to continue being and showing up the way that we are already showing up um, or we're practicing something that is is potentially a little different. Um, mm -hmm. We're practicing something that is more aligned with our truth, <clears throat> more aligned mm -hmm. with our authentic nature, more aligned with um, our values, who we want to be, like how we want to show up in the world. And um, and yeah, it's like you know, I don't know. I, I feel very strongly that um, that uh, that life life sort of is like being alive is the practice. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, and then, and then, within that, within that sort of meta practice, you have the ways in which you might be deciding to um, create practice for yourself uh, to enact something that may be different than what you've enacted in the past. Yeah, um, one of the things I often talk about with my students is uh, the this sense of you know if you want to be good. At, at 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 some being some kind of athlete there are practices that you do to do that you know like you sit there and you swing the bat or you swing the golf club or you swing the um uh, you swing your fists in my case <laughs> and, and, and and if you want to be good at playing piano you got to sit there and you got to play the scales and you got to get got to learn all all those pieces if you want to get good at leadership you know, there's whole curriculums of how to how to how to practice being good at leadership and and so if you want to get good at life if you want to have a more conscious enjoyable life why wouldn't why do we somehow have this idea that we should be precluded from some kind of practice and i think part of that has to do with oh like a, a story that we tell ourselves like oh you mean you mean effort is required <laughs> for my life to get better? Yeah. Oh crap! You know, um, that 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 seems too hard. And and for a lot of people, it is. You know, um, they might have other stuff going on. It might be not be the right time for practice. There might not be um, a, an enough emotional bandwidth to attend to a kind of conscious practice. There's all kinds of things that can come up that can take us away from practice, which I think is a really interesting subject. We should probably do a whole thing on, you know, uh, resistance to practice, but, but, but just bringing it back to the point, you know, that I'm always trying to solidify is like, um, no matter what you want to become, there's almost always a practice for it. And your engagement in that is almost necessary to being able to, uh, get towards a place of mastery or excelling or just even betterment at at what you're doing well there's a line from ken wilbur who if you're involved in integral life you should probably know it's something you're gonna have to help me with this if i forget it um oh yeah it's um enlightenment is an accident and meditation makes you accident prone you know and i think like um getting being good and having mastery at life is an accident <laughs> and and the people who've done that if you look really carefully have really put the time in to do their reps and make themselves accident prone because they've 
had some kind of deliberate practice that they've been engaged in that's deep. And so then that just starts to beg the question of, for me, early on in my life, what do I want to become and how do I practice to get there? That's pretty much what I think every morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's something else that we talk about um, in these integral circles, and that is that the map is not the territory. And mm-hmm. um, and one of the things that occurs to me is, as I was listening to you, is that, um, you know, uh, the, that practice is not the is not the purpose. Yeah. Um, that practice is is what we do to be, as you say, accident prone, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the thing that we do to actually be able to show up um, the way that we want to show up in the moments where it matters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a pianist does not does not practice scales um, because they want to be good at scales. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> they right. practice scales because that's part of what you do in order to be good at playing the piano, which is, is the, is the purpose. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, I hold, I hold practice, you know, any kind of practice practice that we're talking about in exactly the same light. It's like, you know, um, I may, I may identify as a, you know, a meditator, or I may identify mm-hmm. as someone who does yoga or may identify as someone who practices surrender, but the practice itself is not, is not the point. Um, the practice is, is what we do so that, you know, so that, so that when I'm in an argument with my wife, (laughs) that, um, that I can drop into a more surrendered state and actually hear what she's saying, um, rather than a reactive state. And so the, the practice itself, the practice of surrender in that particular instance is really about, um, being able to show up in those moments that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily for me, I'm so practiced at marriage that I don't have that problem of getting into arguments with my wife at all. Um, (laughs) But, but my, my joke aside, like, I think that's the point uh, here, which is, you know, practice doesn't guarantee any kind of result. It just guarantees a certain kind of fluency um, over time that ideally in the right moment can be channeled towards what you want to become or what you want to be great at or what you want to be endeavoring towards mastery with you know um and i i kind of am feeling like we need to talk about the mastery with part of you know what we mean by integral like practice and that and that sort of stuff too and 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 getting into that here but there's one other thing i was going to say i think i lost it maybe it'll come back um, well, actually, I just want to be a human highlighter for something that you said earlier, which is um, often not conscious for people is this sense of you can also look at at your existent life if you're not in practice or in times that you're not in practice as participating in a kind of practice, like whatever you do more of you're more likely to continue to do and you're developing a certain kind of fluency at. And so if you're reacting to in, in an argument with your wife, most of the time, and you don't have a conscious practice to back that up, then you're actually strengthening that muscle of getting into arguments. If you're checking your phone, every time a notification clicks on, it's not just a a dopamine loop that you're putting yourself in it's you're you're committing to a practice of being enslaved to those notifications rather than how you consciously want to be using your time um and so that it it's useful i think for people to actually back off a little bit and instead of saying oh i really need to practice more consciously given what kevin and lisa are saying it's is to say, well, what, what's the table stakes right now? Mm-hmm. Like I'm already in a certain kind of practice uh, that may not be conscious, it may be reactive, but by naming that, that's also for those of you who know the subject object move, it's helping you become more aware of the what is that is not conscious and potentially needs to shift and can be a great, uh, let's say motivator. <laughs> <laughs> what helping you want to create conscious practice so yeah 
that feels like a super important point. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that actually, I think, leads us into um, quite nicely. Um, what you know, what what do you think makes a a good practice? Like, what are the components of a good practice? Well, let's start with the obvious. It's deliberate. You know, it's something you want to be participating in and growing yourself. Um. I've often seen people go down rabbit holes of practice because someone told them they should, but they hate it. <laughs> it's not moving them where they want to grow. And it's like, well, that's great. But it's like, if that's not your, if it doesn't light you up, if it doesn't make you a better person, if it's not in the direction of what you feel your life is about, then you're doing a practice for someone else other than yourself. So actually having starting with a little bit of uh, selfish quality to, but, but selfish in the sense of um, who's the bigger me that I want to be, that I want to become, that actually is bigger than my lesser egoic drives, you know? So it's, it's, it's starting with why I would say is a really, really important place to start. There's, there's, there's more to add, but, but what would you, what would be your piece on that? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that <clears throat> starting with something that is, um, uh, you know, beginning with the story of, of, of who, who am I, or, or what am I, um, interested in, uh, working on in myself? Yeah. Um, you know, what am I seeing already that isn't, you know, isn't really how I want to show up or isn't really how, um, how I want to continue operating in the world? Um, where am I struggling? What are the major challenges that I'm having over and over and over again? Um, and <clears throat> what would, what would it take for me to build some muscles around that that would allow me to show up differently, mm -hmm. um, more aligned with how I want to be, more aligned with how I want to operate, more aligned with um, what feels true to me. Um, so I love I love this idea of starting with the why, because there has to be something, right? There has to be something that is real for you, um, that is driving the desire to practice. Um, and, and, and it can look like a lot of different things. Like it can look like an actual struggle, yeah. <clears throat> but it can also look like, gosh, I'm just, I'm realizing that I feel, um, uh, like I'm not doing well with, you know, sort of how chaotic the world has become. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I don't know how to get, you know, like my, my focus has suffered and I don't know how to get my focus back. Like, it doesn't have to be a yeah. specific thing like I named earlier um, around, you know, maybe interpersonal communication or whatever, but it can be sort of a general feeling of, yeah, I just don't feel like I am doing as well as I'd like to be doing. Um, yeah. I don't have as much access to peace as I'd like to have. Right. Yeah. And so there's ways that I think that, it, you know, all of us have, we already know um, sort of where these things are popping up in our lives. And, um, and so, so starting with that and beginning to look at, yeah, what is the, what is the new, um, the new action I want to take uh, in those moments? What is the new um, uh, way that I want to show up? What is that new doing um, we had talked about this and, yeah. and I want to actually preface this because this is where we're starting to get into, I think, um, something that I'd like to name and, and, and you did earlier, but I want to make it explicit. And that is that we come from a very specific background on how to construct practice being yeah. Um, yeah. master Absolutely. coaches. And so, um, and so that's a large part of how we, how, you know, what we had to develop as we became coaches. Um, but yes, yeah, so I love this idea of, you know, what is the new doing um, that I want to that I want to enact? What is the new way of seeing that I want to <clears throat> um, want to want to start using? What is the new way of for results um, mm -hmm. that I want to that I want to enact? And 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 those are sort of the the three components um, from from the ICC methodology that that construct a good practice, right? A new doing, a new seeing, and a new way of checking. Yeah, and uh, shameless plug here for Integral Coaching Canada as having like one of the most incredible um, 
applications and methodologies surrounding Aquil and Integral that I think you and I have ever seen, but also in terms of just really blowing our minds around what counts as practice and how to think about practice differently and how to create practice designs that are super creative and customized and very different and off the cuff than a lot of us are used to thinking about practice. And so um, big, big props to them for all the work they put into um, how creating some of those distinctions that you just named of new doing and new seeing and having a chance to really reflect on, on through reflection questions. And, and another part of this too, you know, and this is also what's great about an integral, an, an integral perspective is like, you'll often see people who have an approach to practice and, and this happens in coaching and it happens in therapy and it helps in other um, like mentoring situations where if we just talk or if we just get insights looking at, Instagram or whatever it is. And all I have is the new seeing that somehow that's enough. And for some people it is actually, some people get the, the new, the new idea and they can take the ball and run with it. Most people not, you know, but there is sort of this indoctrination <laughs> that happens around like, um, if I just get the new idea and the, and the new mind stack, and, and I get to chew on something yummy upstairs, then um, that's enough to create change. In my experience and in an integral approach, not. You also have, like before I got into coaching, I was very practice-based, but I didn't care about the beliefs and the seeing and the, and the deeper understanding of what was going on upstream in people's consciousness. I was just like, do the practice, the practice changes you. And it's all about the new doing, who cares about the new seeing? And I got a rude wake up call going into Integral Coaching Canada, that that's not really effective and it creates a lot of resistance and it might work for people like me who are just extremely driven and hard on themselves, but it really doesn't work for the majority of the people that you need both. And so when people are thinking about practice for themselves and also offering practices to other people, it's, it's worth identifying, do I have a particular bias towards the doing or the seeing or the reflecting such that I'm not getting an integral, integrated weave of seeing how the three of them fit together in such a way that makes a practice really effective. Just doing the doing without the seeing really actually limits the sustainability just having the seeing without the doing really limit limits the embodiment of you always have to remember it you know in order to make it happen versus if you add the doing then the cellular level of who you are gets it and it becomes more automatic and you don't have to think about it yeah i love that i love that and you know so so i've often talked about this in in the terms of insight and embodiment right so it's like, yeah, that that insight is um, is super cool, and I'm I'm a little bit of an insight junkie. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> a lot of us are. Yeah. yeah. Um and um and and it's funny because in in recent you know in 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 in, the, in recent years um there's there's so much uh so much to be said about mindset shifts. Right. right. And yeah. And this isn't to discount that that's a no, real no. thing. It's and that it, it can amazing. actually, yeah, it can actually lead to some profound new ways of thinking. And yet, if you're not using those new ways of thinking in your actual life and doing something with them, then yeah, it's like you constantly have to reference back to this new new concept, and you and you don't just get it at that cellular level or at that subconscious level. Um, yeah. it, it doesn't become the way that you operate in the world, and so the embodiment piece is super duper important. Um, so yeah, I think that, I think that, you know, I'm going to guess that the people listening are probably really on board with the whole new doing and new seeing. Let's talk about this thing called reflection. Let's talk about the, yeah. the way of checking. Um, what, how do you see that as, as being the, you know, the sort of the third leg <clears throat> of that stool? <clears throat> um, so, you know, you use the words way of checking, which is, uh, gets into a model we can talk about later uh, that's really kind of cool. But 
you know, having a having a seeing, having a doing, and having a checking is really helpful. And the checking is really looking at your standards. And one of the ways that I understood, I really came to understand change through the Integral Coaching Canada methodology is, is that our ways of checking our standards for how we hold ourselves is one of the last things to change, which kind of makes sense the more you think about it and the more you work with it. It's easy to get a new belief on Instagram. <laughs> um, it's easy. It, it, it's not too hard to start a practice. It's, it tends to be very hard to maintain and, and keep keep a new doing going. But if we're not like the longer you do a practice, if you're not reflecting about actually what's changing mm -hmm. and how it's changing, both my beliefs and the way that I act and behave, if you're not bringing attention and awareness to that, if there's not reflection about that, then it's like you're not registering the change. You're not checking how much money is in the bank account, you know, and is it all deposits or is it all withdrawals? You know, and so as the practice goes on, the process of having inquiry that has you check places that you wouldn't normally habitually check um, is really, really helpful at, at calibrating the success of a practice and actually catalyzing it uh, as well. What would you say, though? Yeah, I agree with that. I think that one of the things that come up and, and when you talk about calibrating a practice, this is this is sort of where it lands for me. It's like it's like checking to make sure that um that that you're growing. Yeah. <laughs> that the practice is actually having the effect that you're that you're going for. Um and and calibrating the practice because even as we grow and change, it's like the same practices may still serve us if they have been um, if they've been growing and changing with us. Yeah. Um, and so, and so being able to reflect back on, yes, how am I growing? How am I changing? Um, is that the desired effect? Is there any calibration that needs to, needs to happen? Um, and, and then, and then there may be deeper layers of that same practice that we really want to, we really want to explore and, and grow into. Um, yeah, so that's what occurs. To let me, me let me put myself on the chopping block too. I remember going through Integral Coaching Canada's program, and of course, you you yourself are in different practices related to what's how you're growing as a coach. And a lot of my a lot of my work was around emotional intelligence and relating differently to difficult emotions in people when they would come up. And having a background as someone who saw thought of themselves as kind of a tough guy and mixed martial arts and stuff, you know. Um, I don't, I don't know if we have a beep button on here, but you invited me on the podcast and I have the worst potty mouth ever. And so I don't, <laughs> we really need that beep button. Uh, but, but I was like, are you freaking kidding me? You know, like uh, you, every, every practice was how does, how does this feel emotionally? And I'm like, uh, like, and that's just not a place I would normally check. And yet it was good for me too. And it actually gave me a heart, thank God. <laughs> and, and, and so that, but but we habitually like I would check my mind and sometimes my body, but not but not the emotional domain. And so having reflection be geared towards where else can I check that I'm not habitually checking, it adds a a dexterity to the practice that um, opens new possibilities around how you're actually thinking of being in the practice and I think that's critical another piece about that too that just comes up for me around we're going back to like what makes a good practice um <clears throat> this kind of deals a little bit with masculine and feminine and 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 checking different places like when I think of practice still to this day <laughs> despite everything that I've been through it, like if the practice isn't challenging like I'm like yeah <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem very fun you know like and that's my masculine disposition to always like challenge myself and grow through challenge and um and and so like for example when I would teach acrobatics and acro yoga it was so cool to watch people come to class and be like this is amazing I want to do this every day and what I noticed is that 
their desire to be in practices was more on the nurturing side. Mm -hmm. And so having, it's like, it, it lit them up. It gave them passion. Like it gave them something, it, it injected something into their life that they didn't have, which was fun, which was play, which was interconnection through acrobatic practice. And, um, and so another thing to think of when you're thinking of practice and, and, and it comes up for me around ways of checking is, am I in kind of a depleted place? Do I need a, do I need a shot in the arm? Perhaps the the wrong metaphor to use in this day and age. <laughs> it's a little <laughs> controversial, but do I need a shot in the arm that, that lifts me up emotionally and, and has more of the nurturing quality? Or is my life kind of static in a way in which challenge would actually give me a buzz and, and, and call me forth into something deeper? Or maybe I'm screwing up in some way in my marriage or in my job, and I need a challenge to go deeper. And so um, I think another thing to think about when people are thinking about what makes a good practice is, does it have the right blend of challenge and nurture for what I'm needing in my life right now? Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, in some ways, um, so not a single practice may, may have that balance and that's okay. It may be that there's, you know, a few practices that you're participating in that actually could serve different purposes for, for that. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I think that that actually nicely leads also into this thing called scale structure and specificity. Um, as you start to think about, you know, what makes a good practice, um, what do you want to say about that? Let's start with scale. You can't run a marathon if you can't run around the block. <laughs> so, um, having accurate expectations and scaling practices is so important. Like if somebody's like, I really need to learn to meditate. And I'll say like, well, what does that look like for you? It means sitting down for an hour every day and quiet and, ju and just having my mind be totally empty. And I'm like, well, I've been doing that for 20 years and my mind is never empty and it's still not fun. <laughs> you know, like, um, so like, why don't we start with on your elevator ride up to the 50th floor? You don't look at your phone. You just stop. And you take as many breaths as it takes to get to the 50th floor with your eyes closed. And you do what you need to ground yourself before you walk into the chaos that is work. Yeah. Let's start with that. Takes 30 seconds to a minute, you know? And then now it's like, that's an on-ramp that almost anybody can get behind. Mm -hmm. And it sets a realistic expectation that sets people up for success versus I'm not meditating an hour a day. I'm a failure. <laughs> you're never going to meditate if that's the internal dialogue right so scale i think is probably one of the biggest obstacles do you want to say anything about scale from your standpoint and i can get into the others yeah it just you know i i love that you you took meditation as the example actually because i think it's a great example i think that um, there's probably a lot of us, me included, uh, who have wanted to take on a meditation practice. And what does that actually mean? Um, and and for, for many people, it means, oh yeah, 15 minutes or more, right? Yeah. And the truth of it is, is that sitting for 15 minutes is actually, is actually a milestone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? It's not a starting point. Um, and, and sometimes, sometimes people forget that. It's like, there's, you know, it's okay to be a beginner in a practice yeah um and it's okay to set the bar at a beginner scale um mm. so that you can be successful in that and so you can build from it because that because actually what happens is that if we begin our practices at the right scale we have far less resistance yeah yep and there are some types that like like myself that like the intensity of a really, really extreme challenging practice. But what I've noticed by about those people and myself is those tend to be like one-off things like, you know, training for an extreme race course or something like that or something. And, you know, but it's, it's not usually that if 
because the scale is so high, it's so hard to maintain that it can't, it doesn't have any longevity to it. And so sometimes that's okay. Sometimes practice can be just a one-off and that's cool. It's like, oh, I was able to do an extreme race and I never thought I could. Great. But you learned something about yourself. You, you know, you're, you have more capability than you give yourself credit for. Awesome. And then how do you take that back into an everyday life? It's like the the people who go to a amazing self-development workshop at Esalen over the weekend and they're like, I'm going to change my whole, and then there's the Monday morning syndrome, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, how do you actually iron out the smoothness of integrating what you've learned into an everyday life? So, yeah. um, and that, and, and, and a little bit of scale has to do with the other pieces you brought up of structure and specificity is like, Whenever I talk about, like whenever I give clients practices, I'm like, okay, cool. Glad you like the practice. Glad you're committed to it. We'll talk about it in a couple of weeks and see how it goes. Now the hard part, where's this going in your schedule, in your life? How do we plan for it? How do you put it in the calendar right now so that you know that's the time for you to engage in the practice? And sometimes that's... um, what I would call outside of the hot zone. Mm -hmm. Like if they have a professional leadership topic and I'm mostly doing leadership coaching, it's like, it might be um, doing nothing for five minutes before they leave the house and having a cup of tea, Mm. you know? And so that's like outside of the hot zone. it, It doesn't have anything to do with their leadership skill in the moment. It has everything to do with how I'm showing up for myself before I step into the hot zone. And then there also might be a hot zone practice of um, speak up more than you're comfortable with in meetings for the next three weeks. And, but then it's like, that's not enough. What meetings and what are the cues that you look for to know that you need to speak up and what are the, and what are the moments when you don't want to speak up in that meeting inside of the hot zone because I'm afraid it will get me fired or I'm afraid that all people won't like me or it will draw flack or some, or it'll create more work for me. All these stories. It's like, how do we know when to speak up and not? And so getting into the nitty gritty around practice and getting into the specificity of when it's happening, I find is one of the things that really increases the, the chances of practice actually happening for people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. And, you know, I, I remember one of the things that we we talked about um, quite a lot at ICC and I still use um, with my clients is likening this to muscle building, right? It's mm-hmm. like, if you want to increase the, you know, if you want to increase the strength in your biceps, you do reps with your biceps. Yeah. <laughs> it's very specific, Yeah. right? And, and what that does is it allows you to build strong biceps. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, you know, it's not going to do anything for your legs. Um, And that's not what we're concentrating on. We're actually concentrating on the biceps because that's the place where you've already identified um, that that's, you know, that's where the the, the point point of weakness is, or that's the point of, you know, that's creating some issues or whatever. Um, So I love that. I love that idea of, you know, getting it down, drilling it down to a single muscle or a single capacity, a single competency, a single, um, you know, a single action that you're doing. And then you're measuring your progress against that. Um, And then, and then, and then, yeah. And then, you know, scaling that may look like, um, you know, in the example that you gave, it could look like, oh, now I'm going to speak up in in other kinds of meetings or in, Mm -hmm. in other kinds of contexts, or it could be something entirely different where it's still coming at that muscle, but coming at it in a, in an entirely different way. Um, yeah. 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 Nice. So I'm, um, I'm just cluing into the time and I want to make sure that we have a little time for people to ask questions. But, um, before we get to that, I was thinking that we might want to just talk about, you know, how to like, is there anything that you want to say about, anybody who's listening to this that wants to design their own practice like is there anything that you can give as a tip in designing their own practice pick pick one not 10 (laughs) if you can roll them off yeah give me 10 (laughs) Uh, oh no i mean like that's my advice actually is pick pick one you know like don't don't do 20 don't like yeah 
the it's the this is not a free-for-all uh shopping spree yeah. you know, where you're trying to get as much in your cart as possible it's 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 build on consistency because another thing we haven't talked about that's really i think important is is the practice of practice which is like if if you don't have a lot of experience with practice or you have an aversion to practice or 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 you have a little bit of practice but you know adding more and listening to lisa and i right now just sound like you're immediately getting a migraine (laughs) um, if any of that's happening for you it's 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 thinking of kind of meta, like that there's a practice of attending to practice and that needs scale too. And it's better to have one consistent practice that's hitting the mark for you across the board and to do it for six months consistently to the point that you're bored with it <laughs> and then keep doing it and try and reinvigorate it or try and keep it alive and then add another practice that's also small and scaled so that you're, you're, you're building up. But um, I think the first thing is just to identify either the biggest longing you have in your life or realistically for most people, the biggest pain point and mm-hmm. to try and find a practice that could give you some capability, some muscle, potentially physical muscle, knowing you know some of the brainiacs that exist inside of integral life (laughs) i mean no disrespect because i am a recovering brainiac myself but um it's that it's that sense of building building muscle consistently for a while getting the hang of it being able to trust that it's there and then trying something new versus jumping around or trying everything at once because when you focus on everything you end up focusing on nothing yeah yeah yeah, that actually that actually brings up two things for me. The first is, um, you know, we have this thing called integral life practice, and there's yeah. this tendency, I think, for integralists to think that they need to take on an entire integral life practice totally. um, that is like, you know, attending to the four quadrants, to all the lines. That's, that's right. attending to this thing called wake up, grow up, show up, clean up. That's like attending to the whole thing, and and I think that people have a tendency to set themselves up for failure from the very very word start. um in 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 holding it this way so i love that you pointed to start with one thing um the other thing that i love that you pointed to is something that um that uh laura and uh and joanne taught um at icc which is um the first practice is building the body building Mm -hmm. the body of someone who does the thing Mm -hmm. right and and what i really have always appreciated about that is that um, we underestimate how much uh, uh, change actually occurs at the at the at the level of physiology first. Yeah. Um, and if we can get something new into our bodies, mm-hmm. uh, we we likely can get it into the other parts of us, into the mind, into the heart. Yeah. Um, if we can start with the body first. And so, if you're someone who doesn't have really any practice. Um, starting with a somatic practice is a good way to to begin. And, um, you know, and, and one of the things, and I like, I, I, I really do love the language of building a new body of, um, I think there's something very, I don't know, just juicy about that. And so I, I would think of it as, you know, if, if, if there's, if there's a particular yearning, like you talked about Kevin, or if there's a particular challenge or pain point, it's like, um, what would, you know, what, what would the body of someone who could actually handle that better, what would that, yeah. what would that body look like? Right. Yeah. What would it feel like? Mm-hmm. Um, and to start to find a practice that actually begins to build the body of, of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I, and I also think too, like, I think it's good to think about, you, you know, the, the pain point and, and, and a why that behind your practice and how that would free you up if, if you're choosing a practice or, or, or your next practice is to get really conscious about how you could free yourself up by attending to that and following it. Um, the, oh, I, I lost my point. <laughs> this happens. <laughs> well, let me see if it comes back. 
oh yeah back to the body part but it's also this sense then of um what no, knowing that what would also give me the biggest bang for my buck you know like what's the low-hanging fruit and actually doing exercise of any kind and being in the body has just massive influence on psychology emotions sleep relationships like the whole like so for people who don't have a body practice i'm all i'm always like that's a good place to start in and start with scale and start with something that you want to enjoy and start with something that has a tiny tinge of challenge to it that keeps you interested and and that tends to be my frame of reference and perhaps a bias having a background in martial arts yoga and all the acrobatics and all the all the all the body things but so i want to name my bias but uh, but i really do feel like that tends to be a biggie that a lot of people skip when it comes to an integral life practice is like oh yeah this this vehicle that's carrying me around constantly i'm not just a a brain on a on a stick (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i want to highlight i would actually underscore what you just said so so you know what you were talking about is um being in any kind of exercise and being in your body while you do it yeah and what that means is not being in because here here, i'm going to give you an example of what that doesn't mean (laughs) because i am like great at what it doesn't Mm -hmm. mean So I, um, I wanted to take up running, uh, and I had a horrible resistance to running. Um, and, but I found a really magical way for me to be able to enact running and the enacting of running, um, happened when I, uh, listened to loud, uh, loud trance music and also watched a documentary and had the captions on so I could read it. So if I had my mind radically occupied with something else, then my body could run. Um, But then when I decided that I actually wanted to be embodied while I ran, that was a Mm. whole different animal. So having a having a, a practice where you can actually be in the body while you're doing it, being fully present with the body while you're doing it, regardless of what it is, is a practice in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. And then and then the second thing that it, it highlighted for me was that um, there's also a way of being in a body practice that can be an interesting way. And this is something that I have played with. Um, and we've talked about actually, it's like, you know, I, I, I enjoy walking the hills of my neighborhood. Um, mm. And so one of the practices that I, I like to, to utilize is called, you know, uh, what does it look like um, to come into that practice of walking the hills from a new way of being? Mm. And so if I have a couple of qualities that I am actually wanting to build in myself, what does it mean to walk hills as those qualities mm-hmm. and to start allowing my body to take the shape of those qualities oh, um, cool. and allow those qualities to feed into how I am performing that particular practice of walking hills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Cause that gets into like the seeing inside of the doing too, you know, which is like, for me, it related to your uh, related going back to an example that I gave earlier it's like um a lot of times when I work out and I work out really hard because our bodies and our muscles and all of our cellular aspects of who we are hold lots of emotions sometimes stuff comes up Mm -hmm. you know and my old pattern is push that down just just keep keep going don't don't look at you know and And so actually I'll notice sometimes when I'm doing like really deep yoga that I'll just go to child's pose and I'll I'll cry for two minutes or three minutes and who knows what's even being released or something like that. But I would have never had access to that if I didn't have a different way of seeing other than just do the yoga, just make yourself stronger, just make yourself more flexible. Like that's what we're doing here. And it's like, yoga is about union. (laughs) like union with your greatest potential like not just source but who you can be and so to the extent that i'm denying a part of myself called emotions i'm not in yoga and so the different it's like so the be how you're being 
the way of being that you're bringing to practice is just as important as the new doing. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things we've talked about here um, quite a few times is ICC and, uh, and we've mentioned uh, Laura and Joanne. Yeah. And for those of you who know, um, Laura Divine passed recently. Um, and so uh, those of us who come from, from ICC and I'm sure her loved ones and everybody else who knew her, um, were all in a, in, in a state of, of honoring her, um, and some, and some, well, I'll speak for myself, some sadness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're, this is the art of practice. This is not the technique of practice this is not the and she was an artist at practice to the extent that you know a little birdie recently told me in relationship to this and I and I love I loved her dearly and I'm super sad that she's gone and really been feeling it lately but it's but you know also just beyond inspired that she was in her practice of meditation and tai chi right up to the very end which is like how freaking inspiring is that? You know, like talk about a life of practice. Like you've been teaching everyone your whole life to live a life of practice. And then you lead by example, even though your cognition is mostly gone. And even though your body's incredibly deteriorated and you can barely do anything, like right up to the moment yeah. of death, you're just committed to practice in that way and alleviating suffering in yourself and others through it. And I think like, um, to me, examples like that inspire me to always want to be in practice and to live a life of practice and to and to commit to greater and greater depths of practice and um, and and to really feel the the gravity that practice can have upon a person that it can it can be a a, a form of salvation right up to perhaps the scariest moment of life of entering the great mystery, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to pause here and just see if there's any questions or comments um, from anybody who's watching. Uh, and if not, then I, I do actually have another um, question that I want to ask you. So um, I don't see anything coming through. Do you on your side? Nope. Um, there's a there's a comment over on uh, YouTube around, uh, I think trying to hold all of these ideas is, is the practice. And I would say uh, yes and no. <laughs> Holding everything that two people who've been in deep practice for decades hold as practice is you know there's a scale thing there um but finding a nugget or two from what we talked about today around how you could practice differently differently um feels much more like an easy like a appropriate on-ramp you know it's like oh perhaps when i was talking about challenging practice versus supportive and nurturing practice and you've always thought of it as challenging and it's like what might nurturing practice look like for you it's like if that really sparked something or really hit it's like follow that you know um yeah but i'm not seeing other yeah oh. i actually yep we have we have one here i i love that you just you just said that and i think that that's a nice meta way of holding the conversation so we've been in conversation about practice today yeah uh, and, and yeah, have, have touched on a lot. So I love that you highlighted a way to actually come away from this um, conversation and pull something through that can be actionable and relevant to one's life. Um, so, so Eric is asking, can you speak more to the deeper why? Um, what can motivate practice? What do you have to say about that? So I, because I know you, Eric, and because I, um, I, I kind of, I'm like, I'm wondering if you're like a, a shill that's setting me up here. This is my favorite, my favorite topic to talk about. <laughs> um, like, 
to me, a big part of my coaching approach and a big part of how I work with people is first, uh, most of my clients are men and um, a, a, a big piece of, of the masculine is, is finding your why, knowing your why. It's like, what am I here for? What's this all about? Like, and I, this relates to the spiritual line of development as well. It's just, how do I, how do I go about meaning making in such a way that I'm choosing to empower, enliven, and uh, think about something bigger than myself. And so um, I kind of, my bias again, but I, I think a strong argument can be made for this. I kind of think life is, is a freaking waste of time if you don't know the answer to that question. And so to the extent that you know your why, to the extent that you have a, a reason for being and getting up in the morning, to the extent that you have a sense of purpose or calling or direction that's driving you in a, in a positive way, like everything changes and everything gets really clear. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from the Buddha is when I become clear, everything becomes clear, you know? And so there's this sense then of, um, if I'm, if I'm choosing deliberate practice that I want to maintain and be in long-term, my practice has to be on behalf of that deeper why. Like, there's a lot of things I would, I would love to learn parkour as a practice. I think it's so cool the overall value it would bring to me and my why and my purpose is low. <laughs> it might bring me some inspiration or some short-term enthusiasm until I run into a wall <laughs> or, or fall off of a parking garage. Um, so it, it, it hasn't been prioritized, yeah. um, but I've been sitting, having a sitting practice for over two decades and I resist doing it most every day still. And the amount of value that it brings for me to bring everything down and ground and connect to a deeper source of wisdom uh, and source and the force or whatever you want to call it. It's just astronaut. Like I don't feel like I could function without it at the level that I do. And so as a why, and if I think about my why, it's like, that is helping me focus on my, my practice. And I would also say there's a practice if you don't know your why, your, your sort of default practice is finding it. Mm -hmm. mm. I'm glad you said that. I was just about to say that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, How would I you answer that. that though? Um, yeah, I think that, um, I think that, uh, that having a sense of, of your purpose is a, is a big part. Um, uh, well, it's definitely a big part for me in the way that I coach as well. Um, but there's also, um, uh, even if it's not tied specifically to purpose, the other way that I think is a nice way in is, um, is, is this thing called authentic truth. Mm. Right. And so whether even if it isn't tied to what I should be enacting or doing in the world, it's like, who am I really? What do I really want? Mm -hmm. And um, and what's truly important to me and how can I show up more as that in the world? Mm -hmm. You know, we have a we 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 are we are in a world where um, we are uh, we are conditioned um, from the time that we are born to be different than, than who we really are. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I think it's a valuable, it's a valuable, um, journey for anyone to begin to find what, what that truth is and decondition oneself to the extent that you can actually enact what is authentically true for you in the world. Um, so that can be, you know, that can be the, the deeper why as well. It's like, yeah, I just feel like um, I can't, uh, I can't be who I really am. And so what is that about? And how might I be able to start? Um, what does that look like? Um, and it could even be just these asking of these, of these questions and journaling on them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting too, like uh, masculine and feminine, <laughs> it's like 
the masculine tends to privilege purpose and direction and calling and those things and the feminine tends to privilege more of a sense of what's the yearning of the becoming right and it's interesting too like when we think about our professional offerings a lot of my coaching is around men's work and purpose and finding your why and finding a deeper contribution that actually alleviates suffering for the planet and its people and yours is you know the deepest yes like who who, who the hell do I want to be so that I'm not only feel my best but but being at my best is 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 a default contribution it has ripple effects continuously around me to help other people connect with their deepest yes did yeah. I get that right you did you did yes <laughs> I would say I would say that uh, your deepest yes also has a purpose component. So this is where the the yeah. two the masculine and feminine yeah. intertwine, right? Yeah. Um, which is lovely. Um, so we're coming up. We're actually a little bit over time, but before we before we sign off, um, Kevin, I I, I want to give you a chance to actually tell the audience where where they can find you both um, on the you know at Integral Life and outside of Integral Life. Yeah. Um... So if, if you go to Kevin Snorf, S-N-O-R-F as in Frank.com, kevinsnorf.com, uh, you can find out more about me and my offerings in the, in the past of mixed martial arts and yoga and meditation and all the things. I do actually lead uh, once a week uh, yoga class for free-ish, uh, and you can sign up for that there if you want. And then also more information about my coaching is there. I also do some, uh, I, I previously was a director with Integral Coaching Canada, and though I'm not doing any uh, work for them anymore, I always plug them because they're just some of the most incredible people on the planet. So go check them out if you don't know about them and have some interest there. And I also, um, for professionals and people who are in leadership and are interested more in that side of things, I work with Stegen Leadership Academy outside of Dallas, Texas as a coach, uh, executive coach for them. And their programming is very integral based and just fantastic. Uh, it's a year long leadership program that's deeply based in deliberate practice and really, really cool. So um, yeah, and, 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 and unofficially, um, if you're in the Bay Area, you should come join our San Francisco Star Wars meetup group because I'm a super nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I can vouch for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, and you also run, as you mentioned before, you run the uh, men's group for Integral Life That's on the right. Integral yeah. Life platform, yeah. um, the as well as the Enneagram, yeah, as well yeah. as the Enneagram group. So I love that. Um, good. Um, Both uh, of which I should say are based in how to practice in those realms, how to practice with Enneagram and how to practice, like, getting me to not talk about practice is not going to work you're going to have to fight me and i'm going to win <laughs> and that's why i invited you on yeah <laughs> <laughs> to be my my compatriot here um so uh so so you know as i said my name is lisa frost and you can find me at uh your yes.com um, as well as happyhealthyleaders.com. So I currently maintain two, two separate websites, um, one for the leadership side of the house and one for more of this um, deeper thing around authenticity and purpose. Um, I am running the uh, Integral Women's Group on Integral Life. And I also am running currently a, a series on embodying aqual. So if you're interested in more of the uh, the aqual framework and how you might be able to um, understand how that relates to practice and to embodiment, that's what we're covering in there. Um, and beyond that, we're going to be doing this podcast together, which I'm excited about. We'll have guests on in the future um, and we'll get into all kinds of um, uh, I don't even know what to say. Comedic, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. trouble. We're definitely, definitely going to need a beat button. We got to figure that out. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How to how to bleep my uh, expletives, and 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 just a, a deeper plug for Integral Life too, because we were talking about this the other day with Corey and Rob. Is just the sense of, you know, where else can you find an and a practice group you know like so many membership things these days 
are based in watching videos, getting more knowledge, getting more insight, and doing coaching or something, but like not being in practice. And so for those who aren't perhaps in as part of in the integral life thing, you know, join up because there's tons of sessions and a, a massive backlog of stuff of, around how to be in practice that's so helpful. And I think that's really cool about the whole integral life approach is their focus on practice. So um, yeah. pl plug for that as well. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that there's something that that comes online that is quite magical when you are practicing in group as opposed to practicing by yourself. So if you are an Integral Life uh, uh, member and you have not yet taken advantage of one of the um, embodiment practices or- What are or, you doing? You know, come hang out with us. Yeah, We're come awesome. hang out with us. <laughs> it's totally <laughs> worth it. It'll be totally worth your time. At least you've got to explore it because it's one of your benefits. If you aren't a member yet, um, yeah, check it out because because not only will you get some of the best media on, uh, on ways of actually approaching the world that help you make sense of the world, um, but, but there is this whole body of practice that's available to you as well. So <clears throat> enough said about all of that. Um, I have totally enjoyed having this conversation with you as me usual. too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for everybody who's watching and everybody who came and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Cheers all. Yeah.